Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm late. The train's asleep. Shut up. You're here. And good thing, because we've got lots of work. The talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And an Employee of the Month, I've spoken to almost 300 people now of all walks of life. But many of my guests happen to be... Uh, in entertainment and arts and culture or otherwise creative and trying to figure out a way to do something different and, and feel a sense of integrity or pride or joy around what they do. And I cannot think of someone who embodies all of these sentiments more than Edie Falco. She's probably best known for depicting Carmela Soprano on The Sopranos and then Nurse Jackie. Um, and she was also in Frankie and Johnny and many other plays as well. And she's uh, about to be in the Menendez Brothers, which are, I shouldn't say she's about to be, but we are about to see the Menendez Brothers, which is a Law and Order special. And without further ado, the one and only Edie Falco. Oh, yes. And there is a special surprise. I will only say Stephen Wallum, who is her, one of her co-stars on Nurse Jackie, will also be making an appearance with her. And you will see Edie in a light you have never seen before. Sure. Dad, I understand, was a musician and a sculptor, and your mom did community theater. It doesn't seem like there was a big push for you to necessarily go into theater. It seems like it was something you kind of discovered. Yeah, no, there was no push uh, at all in, in, um, in regard to that stuff. I think I just was always around it. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I used to go with my mom to her plays, and we'd be backstage, and you know, was, I, I got the bug very early on. I just... It was crazy, crazy magical what I saw these adults doing. It made no sense to me. They had like jobs during the day and at night they went and put on little costumes. It was just so bizarre, but I completely loved it and that's when it all started. I love that she was a, a DJ at a radio station. God, no, she was, that's, wow. No, she wasn't a DJ. Okay. She was actually a copywriter, but she worked at WGLI on Long Island for, um, my mother would decide... I upped that, her job. She may want to, like, go back and see if she can I take it all switch. back. She was a DJ at WGLI for many years. She, she may want to switch. She yeah. would decide that she wanted a certain job. She'd look in the paper back when that's how you used to get a job, and she would circle something and make a pretend resume. I love her. Go there, her. and she said she would work for free for the first week or so, and within, a, you know, two months, she was the best whatever that was that they had ever seen. Wow. She did that all through her years of growing up, and yeah, she was pretty, pretty crazy, cuckoo lady. So she was always acting. Actually, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and your dad, I was so fascinated, and also um, that he did sculpture, although he's recently stopped doing as much well, sculpture. Well, yeah. a stroke will do yeah. that. Yeah, actually, yes. Yeah. He got sick around ten years ago. Um, and did he lose the desire to do that's it? That's yes. I've thought about that. Uh, he's, you know, if it wasn't my dad, who was someone I love so dearly, a whole the stroke thing is so interesting. Like, what actually happens? Whatever it was that used to drive him to be downstairs, you know, uh, making, you know, for all the years of me growing up, yeah. just went away with the stroke. And I, I always had this idea that that was something different. That came from a different place, you know, than the brain. So, I don't know, very, very strange and interesting. But no, he hasn't done anything in a long time. The only... <laughs> Terrible. 
But um, when he had a stroke, he, he forgot that he, he was a, a chain smoker and we just never told him. Amazing. <laughs> so dad quit smoking 10 years ago. <laughs> he didn't know what those ash trees were all around now. So what are these things? So whatever it takes. <laughs> so when did you do your first play? You were doing community theater Yes. Sometimes uh, at the same, tr- not, I don't want to say troupe with your own, what is it called? Like Community theater, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a, there was a theater company on, in Farmingdale, Long Island called Arena Players. And um, that's really where I did some community theater with my mom at times and then separate from her. I mean, it was such a crazy thing. It's kind of like, I don't know why bungee jumping just came to my head. Like the idea of jumping off uh, whatever, a bridge with a, with a, stringy elastic thing is terrifying but that's what acting was to me I had that same sort of but I couldn't not do it I was I was mortified and compelled all at the same time yeah um yeah so then (laughs) I wanted I wanted to ask about um I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit from because I know you went to purchase yeah um which has a, its own theater mafia of yeah, people. Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. Um, many of whom you've acted since with. But I was actually going to jump ahead to... I just loved going back and seeing some of your old work in terms of like all the indie films. Um, and I have a little, little clip. Listen, you got cable? Hey, this is Brooklyn. <laughs> oh. All right. No cable, huh? Hey. Hey, Denise. Where's Jim? Uh, he's here. He's taking a shower or something. He's here. You spending the night here? Uh, yeah. I was hoping to. Jimmy didn't say nothing to you about it? Nope. I know that in Europe there were, you know, there are and were many people who would go off and do independent films, but at the time I feel like there weren't a lot of independent films where someone just had a camera. Just wait, wait, say that again. When you were doing, you know, Laws of Gravity. I mean, just yeah. I'm thinking era-wise, well, we didn't even have dial-up. It kind of was. It kind of was uh, relatively new back then. Back when like Hal Hartley was making his movies, yes. and then. Nick Gomez went to purchase with Hal Hartley and Nick Gomez decided, I'm going to make my own movie and that's what Laws of Gravity was. We'd all gone to school together and Nick said, will you do this movie? And I was like, well, I have to give up waitressing shifts and I can't afford it and I decided to just take the leap and uh, that's what Laws of Gravity was. And, but they, we were making them really like for, I think law, uh, Laws of Gravity was like $34,000 or something. They oh, wow. Oh, so they had a whole budget and everything for it. Y- yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. We, li- we live in different that worlds. Was for bagels, yeah. but... You two might be uh, used to using different budgets to yeah, make Yeah, we have a slightly different <laughs> budget. Amazing. I'm like, $34,000? Sorry. Sorry, yes. One day I'll make that much. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <just> <laughs> Sorry. Um... But Sweet Lorraine was the one that was sort of the, the big big one that bro- broke out for you in terms well, of... Well, it was the first one is really okay. what it was. I, it was for uh, the day uh, I graduated from college was whatever that was, June 15th. And June 16th, I had to be on set uh, upstate New York. And I thought, this is cake. Yeah. And then I didn't work for like 17 years after that. <laughs> 
but I really thought I was set, you know. I thought I had somehow had skipped over all those, those years of waitressing everyone else talked about. Um, which is m- miserable. Did you, did you enjoy it? It was miserable. It was absolutely yeah. miserable. And I was miserable. I was a miserable, miserable waitress. And people threw change at me. That was my tip. I was just mean and I was just surly. But man, if I didn't have to talk to you, I was great. Because I'm good I, I, at the time. It's a couple years later now. I was very good with the short-term memory thing. So I could handle like a, this room like this. As long as I didn't have to make eye contact with anybody, I was all right. <laughs> that didn't go over well with the clientele. But. Now, like, are you worried about people putting stuff in your food and stuff like that? Like, can you tell <laughs> which waiters are going to be? I don't eat out. Okay. Because it's less of an issue. But I still walk by restaurants and I see, and I find myself thinking, this is a busy lunch crowd. I should check in here. Like, yeah. it doesn't go away, that thing of, like, I got to look for the next waitressing job in case this whole acting thing doesn't pan out. Do you, do you not go out because of being famous and having people... No, I don't go out. I don't know. Okay. I got two kids. And yeah. Because of know. the no- same normal reasons everyone else yes, does. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, you gotta, like, dress like this. Yeah. I'm like, your sweatpants and... Yes. Anyway. Yes. Have I said too much? Come on over. <laughs> Come on over. Um, well, so, okay, so you were doing Oz. I wanted to hear about working with Tom Fantana a little bit. Um, I loved him. Still do. I love him. Uh, he had seen Laws of Gravity and became a little bit of a culty uh, fan. And he contacted me when he was doing a show called Homicide and said, I would love for you to play this little part. And after that, he called me and said, I'm doing a show called Oz. There are two female, female parts. And which one would you like to do? And I, I didn't want to be the not the priest lady, what do you call them? Nun. No, what was her yeah. name? The, uh, Rita Moreno. It's religion, not mine. Yeah. I, okay. uh, <laughs> Chaplain. No, the lady. No. Uh, wow. Anyway, I didn't want to do the Rita Moreno part, so I played the, Done. the guard. Okay. Yeah. And that seems like, I'm very impressed at how comfortable you are playing these tough characters. Was that the first time you were playing that kind of character, or had you been doing that for? Interesting. No, uh, I, I was. I, uh, that must have been pretty early on. Okay. I t- things kind of go in waves. It seems like. Like school, I did a scene from a, a Woody uh, uh, Annie Hall, and so for the longest time, I was cast as these sort of like ditzy kind of, you know. And I started to think, I guess that's what I am, you know. And then somebody shifted a little bit. Then I was cast as only that for a long time, and they. The only way to change it is to start saying no to things. <laughs> and then I'm learning. Something, <laughs> no thanks. Um, and then that's how things shift. You just uh, decide that you don't want to do this anymore and move on to the next thing. Fascinating. Um, do you, I am going to go back to SUNY Purchase for a second just because I've heard you say that you had mixed feelings about acting school and I know that you were almost kicked out because, um, well, of obviously very derelict behavior. Yeah. Uh, besides that, Sibilant S was my problem. But yes, I very much uh, could relate to what Mr. Whitford was speaking of, that um, I just felt like I knew a lot more about acting when I got to school than when I left. Yeah. Because uh, they started to give names to everything and you know, break everything down so that the people who, who um, just wanted to learn to act could have something to call it, kind of. Right. And as soon as I had to try to organize it in, a different, in, in a, the, the other part of my brain, the whole thing kind of fell apart. So anyway, uh, I lost my confidence after four years uh, yeah. uh, I purchased. And what I mean was also that I was not an ingenue. Luckily, I've grown into one yes. over the years. 
Yes, and you were, you were a sexy Didn't see puppy. that coming. But anyway, um, there were all these very sort of, all the girls that had been all the leads in all the shows, and then, so whenever, we had to be passed within our company, and so whenever there was like a, you know, a 95-year-old woman, or, you know, the prostitute from down the street, yeah, often in the same play, that would be me. So uh, I, you know, I, you, I was, tw- you know, 20, and I was playing, I never played my age throughout all of college. Um, and it was hard. It was, I really kind of, I, it was a little bit of a gut punch. But um, once I got out of school, you, you used to kind of have to rebuild your resources of uh, self-esteem. But. And I wonder now that you're a mom, like, you were and are gorgeous. It's that you were forced to not think of yourself in those ways. And in some ways, I feel like that's a positive to not only base your self-worth on your looks. Well, yeah. But, but then to not have any sense of it, like... I'm not sure where to go with this, but... Yeah. <laughs> After you said that first line, I went to like Charlie Brown's teacher, like wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I feel the same way. All right, we'll go on to the next. Yeah, it is a weird thing to be, like even in LA, it's like I feel so unattractive there. And it's, it's I a I don't think I could city. live there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't spent enough time there, but I. It sounds like you spend more than enough. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's more that I'm lazy. I was born here and this is where I live because that's like, I'm not going anywhere. Just, I don't know, it's so stupid. I mean, a lot of my friends have moved out. And yeah. they work all the time, and they're very happy. And stuff. But I was like, no, I just where I live. I mean, unbelievable um, arrogance in a way. But uh, also, like, I like my house, and I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. But you'd go out for a job, or... Well, I guess now that you have two kids. I am actually yeah. going to go out for a job, this, this law and order thing, Bradley. Um, <laughs> and I have to be in L.A. for four months. Yeah. I've never been in L.A. for four months. I'm terrified. Will you do it during the summer so you can take During the kids? summer, my kids will be at camp for a good deal of that. Then they'll come and join me, and then they'll be starting school without me, which is awful. Wow. Anyway, it's the, the plight of the, you know, working mom. It's, yes, absolutely. I'm not the first one, and I won't be the last, so yeah. it'll work out somehow. It's quality. I'm um, hoping. Yeah. I'm banking on that. Um, speaking of moms, um, I loved like everyone else you in the Sopranos but I can't imagine how stressful it is to to have this like real marriage during the day and then it's like I know it's not a real marriage I've been told Um, (laughs) but I was curious um you know what your relationship was like I know that you guys weren't friends off the set you and and James Gandolfini but I was wondering with you and Jim like how did you feel knowing that even his character was seeing other women? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Um, it was weird. It was definitely weird. Um, but, you know, it really, was, it really was like a split personality thing there. Like, the, um, when we were on set, first of all, the set and the way he looked and the way I looked and all that, just, you know, it kind of snaps you into that particular reality you were hired to uh, live in. Um, and when we weren't like that, we weren't like that. And the reality is, I, I don't think either of us did it on purpose. We didn't, but we didn't, I, I, I didn't know much about Jim. I, I didn't socialize with him yeah. and I didn't know his family terrifically well. Um, the truth being that when I looked into his face, he was only Tony. And, and that really did help make it so much more dimensional for me. Because whatever amount of space you have in your brain at any given time... I didn't want any of that taken up by like, oh my God, that's right, he mo- just moved his house to New Jersey. And, you know, I didn't want to know. But I never thought about this intellectually till after the fact, you know. Yeah. Um, it really was a 
a truly full marriage, you know, like without all the stuff about like having to go home with them. Yes, sounds ideal. <laughs> and his family yeah. to go to for the holidays and all that stuff. Um, it really was just this guy and, and our kids and this house and this life. It's a really very interesting, full experience. I remember with um, Dr. Melfi, um, I talked to real therapists because I was doing a doctorate in clinical psych before becoming a non-famous talk show host and Oh writer. my goodness, wow. And, um, they had no idea. It like made me nervous for their patients, but they really thought of her as a real therapist. Um, and I just wanted to show a scene of you and a Tony meeting with her because I think it does resonate. Okay. Um, I think. Honestly, if you told me five years ago I would be sitting here today. <laughs> Anthony's attacks, how did they make you feel? Well, concerned, of course. And helpless. A little frustrated, maybe. With your inability to help him? To tell the truth, I was referring to your inability to help him. She has helped me. What are you talking about? You've been coming here for three years, Tony. You still pass out on a regular basis. I understand your frustration. Did Anthony share with you any of our insights about his last panic attack? I told you, remember? The Gabagool and my mother when I was a little kid. Right, yes. Do you think that there's anything in the present family dynamic that could serve as a trigger? Something in your dialoguing, perhaps? Excuse me? I don't really know you that well. We're trying to get to root causes. Like maybe you do things, you know, that uh, have some effect on me. Oh, really? What? People affect each other in life. Oh, I get it. Is this how it works? You can't get any answers out of him, so you start looking for someone else to point the finger at? She's not saying anything. Why are you getting so defensive? You know what, Tony? Maybe you should explore your own behavior. Maybe you pass out because you're guilty over something. Maybe the fact that you stick your dick into anything with a pulse. You ever thought of exploring that as a root cause? Did you want to say something? Yeah. I was... <laughs> I was going to compare that to Horace and, and Pete, just to show um, sure. the two. So we just have a clip from... Has anyone been able to see Horace and yeah. Pete? I highly recommend it's on Hulu. You sat out the first half. Now it's time for you to make something of whatever time you fucking you have left. Sit out my life. No, no, you most certainly did. You and fucking Pete, both you guys. You guys together. Like you were half a guy each. T together you didn't even add up to a hole. Now he is gone. You have a chance to be a person. To live a fucking life. I don't care, Horace. I'm saying all of it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I wanted to ask, when you're playing these really emotionally intense, uh, painful roles, how you leave it at home. Do you leave it at home? Do you carry it with you? What is the experience no, like? No, it's gone. It, um, it's, what we, it's what you do and you learn. Because I didn't always. You know, like... Uh, you know, <laughs> the first clip you saw of Laws of Gravity? Yeah. The, the big blonde guy who said, uh, no cable, this is Brooklyn? Yeah. I really thought he was my husband. So we were together for like years after that show. Yeah. And he was not 
my husband. He was very, very, very different from that. So you learn after a while, like, oh, I see. So this is my job, and this is my home life. These are my pretend friends. These are my real friends. And you learn to differentiate. There's really, you can't, you know, I used to think a good actor is someone who can, it's not. A good actor is the one who knows how to end the workday at the end of the workday. And how do you get um, so vulnerable? How do you, like, because I do feel like the vulnerability you possess in these roles when I've seen you on stage or and screen here, like, for you to get into that place, is there something that you do? Well, it's, it is just because I've been doing it a long time because I guarantee every single person in this room has that vulnerability. I don't think there's a person in the world who doesn't understand those feelings, hasn't probably felt them at least once. The only difference is, is what I do for a living is I'm able to, to I guess, to get to them and then put them away. Like open this box, use them a little bit, close it, go home and have a pizza, you know? Yeah, yeah, oh that sounds delicious. That's um, my big night out. Yeah, that sounds really, mm, maybe we'll get that after this. Um, I, I also wanted to ask about a very um, important subject, um, pet psychics. So when did you start going to a pet psychic? You want to talk about psychics, you're going to have to cancel the rest of this evening. Cause, um, okay. But I won't get into that right now. Um, <laughs> I hear my friend Stephen laughing at me. Um, but I, let's see, how did the pet psychic thing happen? I went to a friend's house and this woman had lost her dog, blah, blah, and she said, well, actually, I know this pet psychic. I called this woman. First of all, you don't meet with them. Okay. She's, she lives in North Dakota or something. And I called her and she said, yes, if you could send me a picture of your, your animals. And I sent the pictures. And uh, I had just ad- uh, adopted a, a dog, a uh, rescue, who was really yeah. like psychotic. Like just, she would sit in my other dog's bowl, empty. <laughs> and she would just sit there like this, like the, the emoji with the eyes like that. Um, I'd put bacon in front of her and she wouldn't eat it. She just sat. So I called the psychic and um, she said, oh, oh, you know, it's a much longer story. I'll try to cut to the chase. But she said, oh, he's... She, the dog is saying, why is she here? And I said, well, just tell her that I just, um, I just took her home to take care of her. What do you want to do with me? Nothing. I just want to take care with Karen. She said, all right, there's a long pause, having pains in the stomach. Oh, she's saying they're taking my babies. Meanwhile, she was a mommy in a puppy mill. Had had, you know, litter after litter after litter. This woman didn't know that. They kept my little doggie in a box and didn't give her a name, and she was just pregnant for years. And actually, when I got her, the stomach pains were that she was pregnant again. They didn't know when they gave her, so she had six puppies in my house. And now everyone I know has my dog, basically. Amazing. But anyway, she said all these other things. I said, why isn't she barking? She said, the dog, she's, the dog is saying we're not allowed to bark here. Like, she wasn't allowed to bark. But anyway, it was absolutely fascinating. It is fascinating. Is I it have cheaper no difficult... than therapy? What's that? Is it cheaper than therapy? Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't think she charged this woman. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. I don't... It's fascinating. It's it just, is. Yes, it is cheaper than therapy. Because at first when I like heard that, I was like, well, shouldn't pets see pet psychics? <laughs> and so then I like put my dog Lady, like I just pictured her like on D- Dionne Warwick. Oh my gosh. Like, wouldn't she be great at this? Oh my gosh, that's really funny. I feel like I'm going to put her new LinkedIn profile is going to be her as, as a psychic. I feel like that's oh what my we're going to do. She's on now as a food tester, but I think we're going to do as a psychic now. Um, Oh, I have so many questions for you. One, one last one about Menendez uh-huh. Brothers, because that's the show you're in now. I'm going to go do. I haven't done it yet. Um, I oh, dear God. It. It's a little <laughs> law the order. with the hair. Um, what, what led you to do this role? 
how to answer this. Let's see. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with the safer one. answer. Um, no, safe the unsafe answer. I needed the money. Okay. Yeah. And Great. That's kind of what that is. Done. But Do I, you know how many people can relate to that? I know. I know. But I, I, I never really... As you change, as you get older, things shift. Your priorities shift. Like, acting was everything to me. And now I have kids. Yeah. And they really are everything. And actually, my dogs are, like, next. Yeah. And then, you but know... But they come after. Well, yeah, because they're newer. It's okay. They're both newer dogs. You know, my old dog still comes first, but she's gone. Anyway, um, wow, that's bad. That's not what I meant. Um, they're all equal in your eyes. That's right, exactly. Anyway... I think this will be very interesting. We haven't shot, shot it yet. And this whole Menendez thing, I lived through it as a kid. Yeah. And uh, I thought I made my snap judgment, these two snotty kids from Beverly Hills. There's so much shit that we didn't know. That, I mean, horrible stuff. So I think it's actually kind of interesting that this woman knew that and believed in it and worked her ass off to see to it that it mattered, even though it ended up not really doing much, but... Yeah, I find the lawyers who work on that to be the most fascinating part of it. Yeah. What drives somebody to do yeah. those, you know, sort of thankless and hopeless kinds of uh, jobs? But I think we're going to find, find out. out. Yeah. Um, I think that was a great plug, and you should be definitely um, getting paid for that, I think, Oof. as a separate Sorry. Thing. Don't say anything. Um, no, oh, sorry. Guys. Yes. No, no, no. Why? Money is a good thing. All right. Um, on a, another note, not having nothing to do with money, um, you were in a cabaret show um, a while ago, and I am so pleased that you and Stephen may or may not revive this cabaret show. We're going <laughs> to see tonight if it might be something. Um, I was always scared of singing. And it was this one thing that was, I was always intimidated by, and I hated that. It felt like it had this power over me. My friend Stephen Wallum, who played Thor in Nurse Jackie, my dear friend, is like a kick-ass singer. He's like a real singer. You and may I thought, oh, sorry. I know, I, I just thought, I, I want to do a show in front of people where I sing and I don't want to be scared and I finally did get to that place so well let's bring out Steven I'm very very excited you may recognize him from Broadway as well and so without further ado let's hear Edie Falco and Steven Wong yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe we should sit I think we should, we've got a set here Stop me if you've heard this one I feel as if we've met before Perhaps I am mistaken But it's just that I remind you of Someone you used to care about Oh, but that was long ago now tell me, do you really think I'd fall for that old line? I was not born just yesterday. Besides, I never talk to strangers anyway. I'm not such a bad guy once you get to know me. Perhaps that's the only On way. the land of locks so many times we haven't noticed. Now we're lost, I have no idea. 
just keeps getting and say something about how <laughs> never talk to strangers. We did this a long time ago. Seven years. Neither one of us drink either, so there's no excuse. <laughs> Where should we take it from? I don't know. You want to start over? Can we start over? Let's yeah. just start over. We'll do it faster. Yeah, yeah really fast. Faster. Yeah. That's funny. Let's do the fast version. That was my fault, not her fault at no, all. No, not true. That That's her fault. She's not very good. Stop me if you've heard this one. I have. <laughs> I feel we might have met before. Perhaps I'm mistaken. But it's just that I remind you of someone you used to care about. Oh, but that was long ago. Now tell me, do you really think I'd fall for that old line? I was not born just yesterday. Besides, I never talk to strangers anyway. I ain't such a bad guy Once you get to know me Just thought there ain't hey, no Hey, just I minding your old business, bud Who asked you to annoy me With your sad, sad repartee Besides, I never talk to strangers anyway A dime store novel This town is full of guys like you And you're looking for someone To take the place of her You must be reading my mail Which is why you're bitter that he left you And you're drinking in this bar suckers fall in love With perfect strength Just wiser now. Yeah, and we've been around the block so many times that we didn't notice that we're all just perfect strangers. As long as we ignore, we all begin as strangers just before we That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank Rob Schulte and Nora and ACAST. And I want to thank the Harnish Foundation and Brain Pickings. You can join them in donating. It's what keeps this show afloat. Um, whether it's $5 that you give, $25, $50. If you want to give $500, I will be thrilled. And if you want to give $50,000, 
uh, yeah, that would be incredible. But whatever you can give, please do. Either way, I just want to thank you all for listening and thank our guest, Edie Falco. Um, and I will talk to you guys next week with another extra spectacular guest on Employee of the Month. Talk soon. I'm Katie Lazarus. Thanks. Bye-bye.